Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Uh, Scott Horde is one of the ministries, the organizations that we partner with. One of the reasons why we chose him is because I love his ministry in the aspect of, number one, he, he always approaches the situation with love and with grace. And if there's ever a family that chooses to have the baby but not keep the baby, he adopts the baby. Uh, if the family decides to keep the baby, he, he throws a shower for the family. So it's not one of those like stand on the side with a, with a picket sign and get mad at people. It's a process of how can we help you? How can we walk alongside of him or walk alongside of them? And on August 20th, he'll physically be in the building. He's not preaching, but we're bringing him here so that we can pray over him so that we can connect with him. So if this is an area, it's an area that we support and we're behind as a church. But if it's an area that really tugs at your heartstrings, I would encourage you on that day to connect with him. You can join him at different ministry opportunities that he has. You can sign up for the newsletter that he's talking about um, so that you can get more information. Excuse me. But it's just one of the many organizations that we partner together with. And we want to thank you. Thank you for those of you that support Victory through your tithes and offerings every Sunday. If you're looking for a way to start tithing or offering, as the video said, you can do it online on our app or even the buckets as you're walking out today. Before we get into the word, I want to give you two quick announcements. Uh, one is we, we do about a quarterly meet and greet as a church. It's an opportunity that if you've been coming for a while or if you're brand new and you're wanting to know more about the church, more about my wife, myself, uh, some of our leadership, we meet in our growth track room. We have dinner. There is a kind of a time where Darla and I share the past, the present, and the future of Victory Church. And then we have time where it's just Q&A. We might talk through theology or finances or whatever questions you might have. It's just a great time for you to learn more, for you to get connected, uh, for us to just have that intimate time together. So do me a favor, if you would, if you're interested in being a part of that, would you jump on our website and register? The reason I need you to register, I told First Service, you can show up if you want. Uh, it's, it's August 15th, Tuesday, 630. You can show up if you want, but we are providing dinner and we can only provide dinner for those who register. And so do me a favor. If you're planning on coming, jump on our website and register. So we'll know that. Uh, last but not least, in front of you, you're going to recognize a QR code on the seat in front of you. We've had that going on for a while. It's kind of our next steps process. So if you said after today that you wanted to give your heart to Christ, or maybe you are saved and you want to be baptized in water, or maybe you've been saved, you've been baptized, and you're wanting to start one-on-one discipleship or join a small group, you can scan that QR code when service is over. It'll send you kind of a little form to fill out. You can mark what you're wanting to do. Our team will get in contact with you this week and do our best in moving you forward. We used to have it on the screens. We wanted to put it right in front of you so that it's as easy as it can be for you to take your next steps. We normally end our service in worship. And so as the Holy Spirit's kind of moving on your heart, you say, man, I really want to take a next step. Scan that QR code, fill out that form, and we will personally contact you this week. Amen? Amen. Are you ready for the word? Yes. All right, man, I'm excited. Let's go. Uh, So we're in a series called Patterns. Um, This week and then next Sunday will be our last Sunday of this series. And I've kind of been talking about how the first, the last two kind of went together or, or, or the a couple of times ago, sorry, the first two kind of went together, and then last week and today kind of go together, kind of right, like right and left legs, and then week five, next week, the finale, I was telling first service, it's like we're going to wrap this really sweet bow around the whole thing and just really put it together as a great package. We're going to dive into Romans 7 next week and talk about how Paul says, I don't do what I want to do, but I do do what I don't want to do. You ever been there, right? And we're going to really break that down and find out who it is that is going to rescue us from some of these bad patterns. So if you can, be here next Sunday in person. You don't want to miss that. If not, watch online. But this week, we're continuing. And and like I said, last week, it was a trying versus training aspect. Today, I want to talk to you about hope versus habits. 
And so let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, just to set the foundational context of where we're coming from with this idea. Paul says to the church in Rome, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so through the filter of God's mercy and grace for your life, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So, so offer your life to God. Follow God with your life as a result of looking at it through the filter of God's grace and mercy. So don't, don't follow him out of religion. Don't follow him out of legalism. Don't follow him because you have to. Follow him because you get to, because you understand the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. He says, for this is your true and proper worship. But then he goes on to say, do not conform to the patterns of this world. So he reveals to us right there that there are multiple patterns in our world, whether it be a pattern in, our, in marriages, a pattern in culture, a pattern in finances, that if we're not careful, we can kind of conform to, and they might not lead to what we're wanting them to lead to. He says, instead of doing that, be transformed or, or be changed by the renewing of your mind. He goes on to say, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I want to talk to you this morning from this idea, the future me. The future me. I, I figured it'd be fun to kind of start this message with an experiment, and so I'm going to ask you some questions so you can participate. How many in the room, all right, so here's what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to imagine yourself five years from now, okay? So however old you are, whatever season of life you're in, try to imagine it five years down there. I'm 38 years old, because I'm going to be 39, so this means I'd be 43, going on 44. My mind can't even wrap around, you know, I have to get a walker around that time is how I feel. It's not true. I'm sorry. But it's just how I feel. It's just how I feel. Um, you know, I have the mind of a 17-year-old and the body of a 90-year-old. You know what I mean? It's just trying to figure the whole. But, but, but for you, go ahead and figure it out. Think about five years from now. Um, some of you, it's easier and harder than others, you know, just kind of figure it out. And, and here's some questions for you. Ready? In five years, how many of you hope to have better relationships. Raise your hand. In five years, you hope to have better relationships, all right? It's good to know. How many of you hope to have better, a better financial situation? Raise your hand. Uh-huh. There we go. Um, how many of you hope to have uh, a better job? Raise your hand. All right. Yeah, we just, just, just look around, all right, you know, and make sure nobody who works here raise their hand, right? We have to <laughs> fix you up straight. Um, how many of you hope to be a better student grade-wise? Come on, raise your hand, all right? We're just kind of gathering it around a little bit. Um, some of you, it's too, too late, too late for you. Uh, how many of you hope to be in a better health situation in five years, right? So here, here's where I've arrived in, in my thinking. If we are honest with ourselves, our strategy for change is often based on hope right? It's this idea of, I, I hope to have more money. Uh, I hope my marriage is better. Uh, I, I hope I don't worry as much. I hope I have a better job. We, we tend to, to base our ability to change on hope. And, and hope's not bad. Please listen to me. Hope is a good thing. The Bible encourages us to hope, but we have to be careful with just hoping because we all have hopes, but hoping for a different future doesn't lead to us having a different future, right? Just because we hope for it to happen doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Uh, Duke University recently did this study, and they found out that when it comes to us as individuals, 40%, 40% of what you and I do, of the actions that we take, 40% of them are not a result of a decision that we made, but of a habit. 
So 40%, so tomorrow when you wake up on Monday morning and you go through your day and you get ready to lay your head down on the pillow and go to sleep, 40% of what you would have done throughout that day was not a result of you thinking about a situation, having multiple decisions, choosing a decision, and then operating in that decision. 40% of what you did was simply a result of a habit. You, you just did it because it's naturally what you do. Some of you operated in habits this morning, the way you got up this morning. You did certain things. You don't even remember when you brushed your teeth. You don't, you don't know what shoe you tied first. You don't even really know how you got here, right? You were just kind of in autopilot as you're driving. Some of you have habits today. You'll go to the same place for lunch, or, or maybe you'll go home and take one of those post-church naps, right? Y'all remember that? These are from the Lord. These are like, you know, where like the mouth is open and drool is hanging down. And you know, y'all remember that? Like, you know, you, you deserve it. You deserve it, church. And so, so we all have these kind of habits. A habit is a routine or it's a behavior that is performed regularly or in many cases, automatically. It's a behavioral autopilot. I've been reading a lot of books on, on habits and, and different things. And one author that I read said, he kind of gave a pattern for habits. And he said, first is the cue, which I liked this word better, trigger. So there's a, there's a trigger, or as he said, the cue, which leads us into a routine that we're used to. And that routine leads us to a reward. And so that reward was good enough. It sufficed. And so the next time we're triggered or cued by whatever that emotion was, we go right back into that same routine because we know that routine will bring us that reward. Make sense? Even if the reward is bad. Sometimes the reward's not even a good reward, but we've kind of learned the process and now it's just a habit. I'll give you some, some real life examples. A trigger might be that you have a moment in your day where you don't have anything to do and you kind of rest and you're kind of bored, okay? You're just in a moment where you're a little bored. That's the trigger. So you go into the routine where you grab your phone, right? And we go to whatever social media that we're involved in, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and we just start to scroll. And then the reward is some type of entertainment, okay? So the, the cue was, the trigger was, we were bored. So routinely, we grab our phone, we start to scroll, and we have some, even if it's not an intelligent entertainment, right? It's just, it's just entertainment. So we find ourselves in that habit. Another example would be you come home from work, you're stressed, you are exhausted, you need some type of relief from both your stress and your exhaustion, and so that triggers you. The routine for you is to sit down on the couch, grab the remote, and put on some type of mindless entertainment because you've been thinking all day. So now you're watching something that you don't have to think about. You can just kind of, you know, and comatose, just kind of sit there and go in and out. And, and the reward, if it's a good show, it's a good reward. If it's not a good show, it's not really a good reward. Some of us, our reward is scrolling through Netflix for an hour and a half, trying to find something to watch, only to find out I got to go to bed and I found nothing to watch. It's just kind of a trigger, routine, reward. Here's another example. The trigger, you're hungry. You need something quick, you need something fast, and you'd prefer something semi-cheap because you're not rich. And so the routine is to go through the drive-thru and get you a cheeseburger and a fry, and then you get to the reward. And the reward's not great. You know, it's not great. I, I took the kids to Sonic the other night, and I got a cheeseburger because it was just easier with the schedule to eat there. And I'm, I'm on my couch. The kids are eating their food. I'm literally burger in hand eating it going, why would anybody eat this? <laughs> Like, it was, it, was, it was cold, it was nasty, 
And I still ate it. You know what I mean? I was like, I paid for it. I got to eat it. And so, you know, even the reward's not good, but it's trigger. You're hungry. What's the quickest and fastest thing I can get to eat? It's my routine. That place is close to my house. They normally have a short drive through Chick-fil-A's food from God. You know, I can just kind of go through it, get it, and reward. We're used to it. There's, there's, a, there's a habitual pattern that you and I are very familiar with. And many of us, watch this, many of us have uphill hopes and we have downhill habits. We hope for great things, but our habits don't line up with what we're hoping for. We hope to have a better financial situation, but our financial habits don't line up with our hope. We hope to have better relationships, but our relational habits don't line up with our relational hopes. You know what I mean? They just don't line up. And, and our answer, I believe, to really seeing change in our patterns isn't found, watch this, isn't found in raising our hopes. Hey, man, just get your hopes up. It's not found in raising our hopes, but in changing our habits. I think there is something special about hope with habits. I think it's a good thing to hope that God does something in your life, but to line it up with habits. I'll show you why they're important to go together. Luke chapter 22, Jesus is coming up on what will soon be his arrest, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, um, and, and he's prepping, and there's a lot he has to do. There's a lot on his shoulders. You understand how the scriptures talk about the, the stress that Jesus went through. He literally sweat blood in the process of getting ready for this, and watch what it says. It says, then, accompanied by the disciples, so Jesus and the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual. Let's try it again because one person knew what I was doing. They went as, there we go. All right, welcome, uh, to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, pray that you will not give into temptation. And then he walked away about a stone's throw. So he's still in view and he kneels down and Jesus prays. Now, I often will read from the NIV. Most of the scriptures I put on the screen for you are from the NIV. That's just the personal Bible I have. It doesn't matter to me which uh, version you read necessarily. But when you, when you look at the amplified version of the Bible, that little sentence that says he went as usual says that he went because it was his habit. It was his habit. Here's my point in telling you this. Jesus had habits. Jesus had hope and he had habits. We can't just have hope and not have habits. Jesus had hope in the Lord, but he had habits. There's actually a book out that talks about Jesus' habits. I haven't read it all the way through. I just kind of picked through it. It has, I think, about 19 chapters. But, but instead of quoting that book, I'm going to tell you the ones that I've seen just in my biblical study. I've seen that Jesus has a habit of praying. I've seen that Jesus has a habit of going to church. I've seen that Jesus has a habit of seclusion. I've seen that Jesus has a habit of confrontation, and I've seen that Jesus has a habit of sitting down and eating with all of his friends. Can I get an amen, right? Yeah. Jesus has a habit of going to the Mexican restaurant. That's what he loves to do. I think if he was walking earth today, if he was sitting in our service, which he would be because he loves our church, then church was over and he'd be like, I'm taking everybody to the Mexican restaurant and we'd roll up in Tony's in Antioch. Tony's is a Mexican restaurant. We'd roll up in Tony's in Antioch and they'd bring him a basket of chips and he would turn that basket of chips into 12 basket of chips and we would all eat. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Sorry. It's almost time for lunch. <laughs> Jesus understood that the habits that you and I live in today will shape the life that we live in tomorrow. Are you with me? 
He, he understood that our habits have a way of predicting our future. That what you and I, what's, what's habitual in our life today has a way of predicting what will happen in our life tomorrow. Whatever our relational habits are, whatever our financial habits are, whatever our eating habits are, whatever our school habits, our work habits, whatever those habits are today have an ability to predict what our future is going to look like tomorrow. For those of you that are not sports fans, just bear with me for a moment through this illustration. But a few years ago, there was a, a player in the NFL by the name of Odell Beckham Jr. His nickname is OBJ. I'm going to use that because it's quicker and I don't have a lot of time. And so OBJ is in the middle of a football game and the quarterback throws in the ball and OBJ catches this ball leaning back with one hand. He makes a one hand catch for the touchdown and people lose it. Everybody goes crazy. The, the sports casters are losing it. That's the greatest catch of all time. Oh my God. Ah! You know, they're losing their mind. And then, and then all Sunday from the sports center, everybody, they're not even watching games. They're like, did you see this catch? And then in the middle of the week, you've got all the sports shows and all the daily talk shows. And they're bringing them on, bringing them in by phone. We can't believe you caught this. This is insane. Everybody's freaking out because this guy who gets paid to catch footballs <laughs> caught a football with one hand. Everybody freaked out. And then like a few weeks later, it started coming out, pictures and videos of him months before this game practicing one-hand catches. He wasn't in pads. He was in shorts and no shirt and beats by Dre. And he's just running through the field, and they're throwing it to him, and he's one-hand catch, one-hand catch. One. He must have caught the ball hundreds of times with one hand, practicing it so that when the time came that he actually needed it, he could succeed and yet we watch him, we go, I can't believe you did that. That's so awesome that you were able to do that. And he would say, I made it a habit. I practiced it to the point where you think it's this amazing thing, but I've done it a thousand times. And so I knew that when I needed it, I would be ready for it. If, if we think that we're going to come to church, walk out, walk outside, and all of a sudden have a great marriage doesn't work that way. If we think we're going to walk out and all of a sudden know how to be a great parent, let me know. I don't know. You know, it doesn't work that way. If we think we're going to walk out and be great at finances, or watch this, we're going to not worry, or we're going to be able to face temptation. If we think that all of a sudden we're just going to know how to do it, it doesn't work that way. But if you and I will make it something that we practice, if we'll stop trying and start training, if you were here last week, if we'll quit hoping and start establishing habits, then watch, we, we will become habitual in our life. And when a moment in our life where we need to be able to stand strong, where we need faith, where we need discipline, we'll be able to do it. And people will say, how did you do that? You're so awesome. And then they'll call you some kind of nickname because you need a nickname. They'll say, you're awesome. And you'll go, no, 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 no. I've been practicing this. It's a habit. I'm not just hoping I've made it a habit. Now, here's the tricky thing about habits. Habits are double-edged swords because habits can work for us and they can work against us. You can actually teach yourself to do something habitual and depending on where you are focusing that energy, it'll become negative or positive. I was thinking about this before service this morning and I was like, let's just take this, this particular habit. Let's say you have a habit of studying Everybody's like, I like that habit, please. 
But some of us, we just have that natural, where we learn something and we, we, we watch seven YouTube videos about it. We look up six articles about it. I'm not that guy. I'm just like, cool, if you said it happened, it happened. I don't care. But, but people will like study it like big time, right? So we have this habit of studying. Watch this. If we put that habit of studying to scripture, it's a great thing. If we have this urgency to, to find out who wrote it and why do they write it and where were they when they wrote it and what is the context, it can be good. If we take that same energy or that same habit of studying and we put it on social media, it's negative. Why do they write it? Where were they when they wrote it? Why is there an exclamation point and not a period? Why did they tag me? You know what I mean? You can start thinking about all these things. It's the same habit, but it's about how you direct it. Here's what I want God to work with me on. I don't want to be the guy who studies the Facebook post but then reads the scripture one time and moves on. You know what I mean? I want to move that habit to where I'm studying the scripture and then I can read the Facebook post one time and move on. I want to be able to direct the habits correctly. I don't want the bad habits. I want the good habits. Now watch this. Good habits are difficult to start. And they're difficult to start because the pain comes now and the payoff comes later. Right? Right? In the same way, bad habits are difficult to stop because the payoff comes now and the pain comes later. Let me give you some examples. It's not fun to plank. Can I get an amen? Anybody here plank? Y'all know what planking is? It's not, a, it's not a Christian cuss word, okay? Planking is like you lay down. It's all about the abs because the pain is now, but the payoff is like 20 years down the road. I don't know. I've never seen abs, so I don't know how that works. But, but the payoff is way down the road, but the pain is right now. But a double cheeseburger from five guys, I'm not giving Sonic any more praise. That payoff is right now, but the pain comes later. <laughs> that too, register pain is what, $40 for a cheeseburger? I think not. You see what I mean though? When it's, when it's bad, the payoff is right now. It's, it's why we keep doing it. We know, look, look, there's so many habits that you and I do that we know are bad for us. While we're doing them, we know they're bad. But in the moment, there's this payoff, and we know that the pain is far enough away that we can just kind of keep pushing it off, right? But good habits, and we have good habits, the pain is now, but the payoff is coming. So I had this thought. I was like, okay, how can you and I start moving in a way, in a direction where we can kind of get rid of bad habits and start establishing good habits. Now, I understand that for every one of you, I could sit down with you after church and go through your specific areas of habits, right? It might be, for somebody, it might be financial. For somebody, it's relational. But this person's married. This person's not married, so it has to do with this. And so we could go through all that. We don't have time for that necessarily. I certainly encourage you to, to kind of dive deeper in that. But, but I've got to be able to bring something that I believe can be kind of a vague enough start for everybody in this room so that we could walk out of here today with kind of a plan and a process on how we could start uh, elevating good habits and kind of removing bad habits, all right? So you ready? Here we go. Number one is this. You need to make your new habit easy. If you're trying to start a new habit and kind of get rid of an old habit, you need to make it easy. Let me explain. Watch this. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Here's what the scripture verse tells you. Jesus didn't wake up in the morning and go, I think I might pray. 
Jesus went to bed knowing he was going to pray the next morning. He had a plan in place. He knew where he was going. He knew he couldn't stay in the house with the snoring disciples, right? He had to get up. He had to go somewhere. He knew what time. He had one of those, those you know, biblical day alarm clocks. I was trying to figure it out. I don't know if it was like a rooster that crowed. I don't really know what it was, but he had something that kind of woke him up. He got out of the house and he went and prayed because he had a plan. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Success in creating a new habit begins with a plan. In order for you to move into a place where you can successfully start operating in a new habit and get rid of an old habit, it starts with a plan. Let me, let me help you understand something about our brains. Our brains consider energy precious. So therefore, our brain is wired to conserve energy. So anytime it's about to do something that it can't make sense of, or, 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 or like this is going to say, like it's difficult or it's challenging, our brain will likely opt out of it. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you say, oh, I'm going to start a quiet time, but you're making all the decisions on how, when, and what in the morning, when you wake up and your mind's like, just hit the alarm clock button one time, you're not going to make that decision right. But, but you need a plan. When we set a plan on how to have better relationships, when we set a plan on how to be better financially, when there's a plan, it makes it easy and it's easier for us to do it. There was this study done. They, they, brought, they brought this big group of people in. And all of the people wanted to get healthier. That was their goal, to get healthier. So they split them up in three groups. Group one, they, they gathered them in a room, kind of like this. And all they did was assure that everybody in the room wanted to be healthier. They were like, yep. They're like, all right, cool. We're going to work out tomorrow. Then they went to the second group. And they gathered and said, we just want to make sure everybody in the room is wanting to get healthier. They said, yes, we are. They said, all right, we're going to provide you with reading material about getting healthier. And they said, then tomorrow we'll work out. Then the third group, they, they said, sure, everybody in here wants to get healthier. They gave them reading material. And watch this. Then they decided where they were going to work out, when they were going to work out, and what workouts they were going to do. The next day, when it came time to work out, the first two groups combined, 4% of the people showed up to work out. The third group alone, 91% of the people showed up to work out. Because when there's a plan, when, when you know what you're doing and how you're going to do it, it's easier to do it. So I'm just encouraging you that if we're going to kind of remove some bad habits and put in place some good habits, let's not just walk out of here like, I don't know, I think it'll happen. Like, let's put together a plan. Let's figure out what does that look like? What, what, if, if I want a healthier marriage, here's my plan. Let's pray together, right? If I want better finances, here's a plan. Let's tithe, right? If, if I want to be, if I want to be a, a, a greater man or woman of God, hey, let me have a quiet time. Let's, let's put together a plan so that we can actually move forward in that habit. Make sense? Number two, make the new habit communal. Watch this, Mark chapter 14. We just saw Jesus go in prayers in, in solitary. Now watch this. He says, they came to a place named Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here until I've prayed. So the first time we saw it, Jesus was by himself in a, in a solitary place praying. This time, he brings the disciples with him, and he says, sit right here and I, while I pray and you pray. It's about being together. Listen, it, the, one of the easiest ways, every habit is easier to start when we don't do it alone. Right? When, when that's one of the best things about the church and, uh, people always ask me, you know, what's the purpose of the church? And I go through a lot of things, but one of the favorite things about it is you're in a room with people who are striving to be able to experience the same thing. 
Everybody in here wants more of God. Everybody in here wants to serve God. Everybody in here wants to embrace their purpose of God. And it's fun to be in a room with people who all feel the same way you feel. It's easier to worship in here than it is out there, right? Because you're in a room with like-minded people. Think about it like this. Living the right life is almost impossible if you're surrounded by the wrong people. Now, I had to make sure I say this. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to have unsaved friends. We all need people who don't know Jesus. How are you going to lead anybody to the Lord? So don't walk out here going, I can't hang out with anybody unless they know Jesus. not what I'm saying. But you got to have people in your life, right, who are wanting what you're wanting to be able to go after it together. Some of y'all know this, some of you don't, but Brian, my best friend who was up here doing the announcements, me, him, and his wife, Erica, we all went to high school together. So we've known each other for 20 plus years. And, and, and we were friends, and then they started dating, and that kind of brought Erica into our group, and we hung out. And how do I say this? When it came to school, Erica and me and Brian, we didn't belong in the same circles, all right? This is a nice way to say it. Here, here's the way. I, I was trying to think how to describe to y'all who Brian and I were in high school, because there's really not, I don't think there's anybody in our church right now outside of them two that, that knew us in high school. So I thought of a story that would kind of help you get an idea of it. One of the things Brian and I would do in class consistently is we would sit at our desk, and we had one of those desks where like, you know, it kind of came in front of you, it was like one chair, is we would pretend like our desk was a motor vehicle. And so we'd be sitting there as a the teacher was teaching, and we'd be like, mm, Mm, we start moving it. Mm, mm. <laughs> then the rule was, because we had a few friends that did it, the rule was that whenever the teacher looks at you, you have to stop wherever you are, right? So you'd be like, mm, mm, and multiple times she looked, and we'd be like facing the back of the wall. And she'd just be looking, and she'd be like, Mr. Powell, I'm like, yes, ma'am. You know, we just pretend like nothing happened. Like, that's the kind of circle we were in, right? Just so you're clear. Erica was in honor classes, okay? They, 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 they saw Erica, and they said, with her intelligence and with her passion and with her strive and drive for education, for her commitment to come to school at all and her ability to spell, she is unique. And so we should take her and we should put her in this group of people who are like her, who want to graduate who don't want to spend 10 years in one grade. We're going to put her amongst these people who love education and who are going to do great things in life. And those two, just put them in the basement somewhere. Like we don't really, you know what I mean? Like, and here's my point in telling you this, that if schools have figured it out, then we should figure it out that if we're wanting to experience something, if we're wanting to see great marriages and be great students and be great, great followers of Jesus Christ. Let's get around some people who want it as well, right? Think about it like this. Surround yourself with the community where your desired habit is the normal habit. I want to try this again real quick. If you're in here and you're, you're currently in a relationship and you want your relationship to be greater, not bad, doesn't mean it's bad, but you want it to be greater, raise your hand. Wow, look at that, right? This is the place to be, to be able to say, hey, come on. Hey, if you're in here and you're wanting your finances to be in a better place, raise your hand. Look around for a second. If you didn't raise your hand, you better be tithing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? My point is, y'all, is that we're all going through the same stuff. So let's get around people where the desired habit 
is the normal habit. So if you're wanting to change out bad for good habits, first of all, let's make it easy. Let's get a plan together. Second of all, let's surround ourselves with some people who want that same habit. We've recently had this massive baby boom in our church. People just popping babies out left and right, left and right. If you know somebody that wants to have a baby, send them here. They'll be pregnant within 24 hours. Immaculate conception. They don't even have to be touched. It's amazing. You scared me. You stood up. I was like, no, it's not. You don't need to testify that much. But the reason I say that is because it's funny to watch them do life together because they're all in the same season of life. And it's just something different when you get around people whose, desi- who, whose normal habit is your desired habit. Third is this, watch this. Make your habit satisfying. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, this is so powerful. It says, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray. I I need to set the context for you. Jesus is praying, and these disciples who have been raised on being taught how to pray. When they say, teach us to pray, it's not because they don't know how to pray. It's not because they've never, well, what are you doing? Oh, teach us how to do that. They had been praying their entire life. But there was just something different. Think about it like this. When, when, it, when it comes to these new habits where you're going, when you're going away from the bad, into your thing about it, you are more likely to continue a new habit if you don't hate it. You're, you're more likely to continue in that new habit if you don't hate it. We have to make, watch this, we have to make it so that we don't want to miss it. This new habit needs to be satisfying. You guys have heard me say before that I'm really into this thing, pickleball, right now. I got this group of guys that we hang out with and we play pickleball. And we'll be playing pickleball and and they will cancel meetings so that we can keep playing pickleball. I don't do it because I value everybody's schedule, so I keep, you know, no, I'm leaving. I got self-discipline. We were playing one time and one of my friends is playing and as we're playing, he's like, man, I got a meeting right now. And I'm like, oh, do we need to stop? And he's like, ah, in a couple games. And the reason that we're so quick to do it is because we enjoy it. Somebody puts on our group text, play pickleball. We're like, you know what? Put the kids in some type of carrier, lock them up. Let's go play pickleball. Because we enjoy it. We love it. It's so much easier for you to keep a habit when it's satisfying, when you enjoy it. So let's go back to Luke chapter 11. These disciples have been praying their entire life, and it's mundane. It's legalistic. It's a ritual. And it's not satisfying. And so they do it, but it's just routine. And then they watch Jesus do it. And could you just imagine, there it's got really smoky in here, guys. Y'all are disappearing right in front of me. But, but they're watching Jesus pray. And, and it's, it's something different about the way he's praying. It's not a ritual, it's relationship. It, it, it's not, watch this. Oh, thank you, Lord. I didn't get to say this in the first one. It's not for show. It's satisfying. 
And so they walk up and they go, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? Can you make prayer our habit? Not because we have to, but because we want to. We had class last Thursday and we were talking through, everybody's kind of sharing different things and we're, we're talking through quiet time disciplines and people who have it and how, why you have it. And this lady in the back, Miss Mindy, she raises her hand and she says, uh, she's talking about her routine, her pattern. She says, I do it because I want to. I love that. Any habit that you're going to start and keep, you need to enjoy it. Jesus turned what used to be mundane and miserable into something that the disciples yearned for. I think at some point, some of us were taught that this relationship with God, that, that having habits that are following God, that they weren't satisfying. And so when it comes to this idea of us letting go of some bad habits and embracing some godly habits, it's a negative thought. Well, that's no fun. I remember when I first got saved, there was this saying that Christianity wasn't fun. And I believed it. Why wouldn't you? And in some sectors, depending on who you're with, it might not be. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've been following God for 20 years and there's never been a moment of my life where I thought or even wanted to walk away from it. It's so much fun. It's so satisfying. And I just feel like I need to tell you that. Because some of you have been avoiding a godly habit because of that thought process. Because you think it's about rituals instead of relationship. And I'm telling you that once you really get to taste and see who he is, once you really get to embrace who he is, you're going to find out that godly habits, that the habits that Jesus kept, the habits that the disciples embraced, the habits that you see modern day Christians operating in, those habits are satisfying. So if you want to kind of move away from bad habits and embrace good habits, number one, you need to have a plan. You need to make it easy. Number two, you need to surround yourself with some people who want those same habits. And number three, you need to make sure that whatever it is that you're putting in the process that you understand that that is satisfying. Satisfying. So let me, let me say this. I need, I, need to, I need to bring this to a close, but I, I was really burdened by this all week. Because here was my thought. It's going to be easy for you to leave out of here today with this thought. I've got a lot of habits I need to change. I got, I got bad financial habits. I got bad relational habits. I got, I got bad eating habits, right? I got, I got bad media habits. Like, I need to change. There's so much I need to change, Troy. I got like 12 hours to do it. Like, you know, let's figure it out. Give me something. What are we going to do? And I was like, man, people are going to leave more burdened than they came in because we all have habits we want to change. And then the Lord reminded me of a scripture that I want to share with you and I want to pray over you, but, but it moves us into our fourth way to establish a new habit. Here's what it is. Make your new habit him. Just make it him. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts to preach what is going to eventually be referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is preaching basically all of these habits that we could change. 
He's talking about financial habits. He's talking about the way we treat one another. He's talking about the way we treat our bodies. He's given all these. And I just imagine that if you're sitting there on that mountain and Jesus is dropping all of these incredible, you know, theological bombs, and you're like, oh, it's awesome. And as Jesus, I mean, he's preaching for a while, right? And at some point you're like, oh my gosh, I need to change my entire life. What am I going to do? Like, well, how's this going to work? And when you're in here and you hear all this, you could be looking at your spouse, looking at your family, looking at yourself, going, there's so many things I want to change. How is this going to work? Jesus goes through his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Here's what he says. He says, but. Anybody ever told you with the Bible, look for the big butts? It's wisdom. Jesus said all of this stuff. This habit, this habit, this habit, this habit, but Jesus, I I need, I need all of that. I need to change my entire life. What do I do? Yes, but what? Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. And watch this. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Troy, I I don't know about you, but I I need to change my financial habit. I need to change my relational habit. I need to change my educational habit. I need to change my mental habit. I need to change my spiritual habit. Yes, we'll get there. But, but right now, just make your habit him. Just make it him. And while you move into a place where he becomes your habit, watch this. According to scripture, all of the other habits that you need will begin to fall into place. Can I share one quick story with you just to put in place what I'm saying? I've shared with a lot of you before that my my quiet time, what I started years and years ago was I started going to a, a a, a, a track at the gym and I would walk and pray for an hour and then I would go and work out and that just kind of became my habit. And when I started it, I was in a tough season in my life. I was really stressed from my job, and I wasn't, I wasn't what I would consider a great husband. I wasn't a great father. I had never done, I never babysat kids. I was never around kids, so I was just trying to learn all this stuff, and I just, I just honestly, I wasn't that good at it. I wasn't great at finances. I mean, there was just a lot of habits that I really needed to change. I didn't know what to do about that, but I'm walking this track, and I'm praying, and this became my habit. And so I get done praying one day, and it's really early. It's in the summer, so my kids are all asleep, and I just need to kind of buy some time because I wanted to cook them breakfast, but I didn't want to wake everybody up. So I go to Kroger, and I'm walking through Kroger. I got a shopping cart, got AirPods in, just kind of slowly wasting my time. And I came past some flowers, and I was like, you know what? My wife deserves some flowers. And so I picked up some flowers. I put them in the cart kept on walking. I went down that little toy aisle that Kroger has, and I grabbed a couple of toys for the girls. I was like, you know what? My girls deserve toys. And so I went home, and I set up a scavenger hunt, and the scavenger hunt led them to toys, and it led Darla to her flowers. And it, they, so when they woke up, we had breakfast. We did the scavenger hunt. It was the most incredible thing. And Darla came up to me, and she was like, what happened to you? <laughs> Listen, what I'm trying to tell you 
that I could spend all day working on the habits of being a better dad and being a better husband and being a better Christian and being better at finances. I could work on all of that and I would lose my mind because just one alone is an entire life work or I could make my habit Jesus Christ. And when I was praying and walking and I was seeking first his righteousness and his kingdom, all of those things were added to me. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you, but I also want you to have an opportunity to pray for yourself. Because maybe you're at a place right now where you could just, let's just name the habits. Let's, let's, let's name the habits that I need to change. And Troy, I hear you. I keep hoping that it's going to be different, but it's never going to be different unless something changes. And now I've got all these habits, and I'm walking out of here, and I don't know what to do. But I'm telling you right now, let's just start by making him our habit. Amen? Let's seek first his righteousness. Let's seek first his kingdom. Let's seek first him. And as we make him our habit, then he will start to invade our lives and influence that habit, that habit, that habit. I don't know about you, but if, you, if I have to walk out of here and all I have to do is focus on one habit, I'm good. And by focusing on the one, it influences all the others. Do me a favor, close your eyes. I want to pray for the person. You've been asking God and asking somebody to help you with a very incorrect financial habit. You've been trying to figure out how to be better at relationships, how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife. You've been trying to figure out how to have better mental habits, how not to fall into worry and anxiety and depression. How to be a better student. How to be a better employee. How to be a better employer. How to be a better man of God or how to be a better woman of God. And you're at this moment where you're hoping for a lot of change. And you've got a lot of uphill hopes, but we've got a lot of downhill habits. And I just want to encourage you right here in this moment, this morning, let's just give all of that to God. Let's seek his kingdom. Let's seek his righteousness. Come on, and let's make him a habit. Would you just begin to do that? Just in whatever way you would do, just begin to ask him, Father, would you help me make you my habit? Jesus, I want to seek you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to focus on you. And if I'll make you my habit, according to Matthew 6, you will handle all of the other areas as well. So come on, right now, let's just begin to worship. Let's just begin to seek his face. Let's begin to speak the name of Jesus over every, every area of our lives right now. Hallelujah. Father, help us. Help us to make you our habit. Speak your name. Speak your name over my marriage. I speak your name over my finances. I speak your name over my relationships, over my schooling, over my job, over my education, over my dream. 
over my worry, over my anxiety. Father, I just focus on you. Hallelujah.